Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, this week, as I said earlier, we're beginning our vision series and we're going to walk through our values over the next five weeks in this series titled Who We Are, Who We Are. And we'll be taking an in-depth look at our values here at our church, and, and, which hear me, is, it's, it's, it's important for us not only as a church, but it's also important for us individually. And here's why I say this, because my desire for us as a community or church body is to understand what's important to our Christian identity. Now, now here's why I say this. In today's society, there are too many things that are defining us. Too many things that are defining us. We're bombarded by news and different ideologies on a day-to-day basis. So many of us don't know truly or understand who we are or what we really believe. I heard a pastor once say it this way. He said, he said, we used to live in a world where newspapers used to get delivered to everybody's house and and that newspaper that would deliver to your house and to your neighbor's house and to the house up the street would all read the same. So you would read the newspaper and you'd read through the columns and you'd see the same words on there. You see the same news stories that everybody else is reading in your neighborhood or up and down the street or even in your state for that matter. You'd be reading the same na- newspaper. But now we live in a day and age where we have social media and we have the Internet where the algorithms in it are all set to our personal liking based off of what we've clicked and what we read. So when we open up our social media feeds or we look through uh, uh, the Internet, we only read or see what we like, therefore consequently forming our beliefs to only fit what we want to hear or what we like. This is part, follow me, y'all. This is part of the reason you can have a mass following riot the Capitol building with the belief that they're in the right. Because what has been sewn into the fabric of their belief is nationalism. Nationalism where America and the pride of America is far more important than everything else. So when it seems like their constitutional belief or their right has been challenged, you get an insurrection. Why? Because, hear me, the same constitution that reads in the preamble, we the people, where this was supposed to be an inclusive we, but if you keep reading down in this same original constitution, it says that it classifies black people as three-fifths of a person. So when you hear a president or someone say, make America great again, most people got to shake their heads and ask, well, 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 I mean, when was it great? Or, or, or who are you actually talking to when you say this? But again, follow me with this, because you, you see, depending on Which narrative you have been reading or you were raised under, you can hear this and have different feelings to the point that when a president uses the same rhetoric or the same underpinnings in that same original constitution and now says we got to go down the street to the Capitol building and take our nation back, you get a riotous, radical nationalist group that storms the Capitol to try and take their nation back. Family, you see where I'm going with this? 
We got to be careful with what we take in as truth. What we're reading and who we're listening to, because many times, if not careful, it will come to define us. So, so I think it, it's a time, it's a timely, it's very timely to take a look at our, our vision right now. It, it's very timely for us to, to, to just drill down to what do we value as a church. And my hope is that through this series, we'll grow closer to God, but we'll also be more driven and more rooted in our Christian faith to grow into the church that God has called us to be. We're also going to be doing this fast, as I said earlier, it's 21-day fast starting February 1st, Daniel fast, so prepare for that. But I, I really want us to come together. I want to invite you into this. As Christians are called to fast, I want us all to do this together. And I want to beg God for, us, for him to move in us individually. But I also want to beg God to do some unimaginable things in our midst as a church. I believe that God is up to something. And, and despite fight a pandemic, he ain't done working as we just saw last week. And maybe you're saying, well, Pastor D, I, 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 I'm not really a Christian. I'm, I'm really new to church or, or I've been away for a while. And friend, I would say to you, you couldn't have picked a better series to jump in on. Hear me. Drink deeply, my friend. And watch God do something amazing in your heart. Our vision here at Renew as we jump in. We desire to be a church that's centered on the gospel while passionately seeking the welfare of the city. And we believe that this vision rests upon three different initiatives that we believe are rhythmic and, and indicative of every believer. And the, this vision is we want to renew, we want to rebuild, and we want to release people through the work of Jesus Christ. This vision plays itself out in our church in many different ways. As I just mentioned a little bit earlier, you saw this happen uh, in the state of the church as we walked through last week, if you missed the state of the church, I am inviting you and imploring you, you need to have two services today because you got to listen to all that God has been doing in renewal, all he did in the last year despite the pandemic. Y'all celebrate with us, and, and I, I pray that it gives you hope and encourages you as we go forward in 2021. But this vision we have, renew, rebuild, and release, it's not just something we say. We also think it's driven and accomplished by six core values that we hold near and dear to our hearts, which is one, being gospel-centered, two, aligning biblically, three, loving others, four, community, five, loving the city, and number six, making disciples. And today, we're going to look at what it means to be gospel-centered. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in John chapter 3. Verse 16, we just got one verse, and many of you know this verse, and that's part of the issue, because the question we have to ask is, do we really not only know it, but do we live in light of this verse? And let me read into your hearing, uh, John 3, verse 16, it reads this way, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The very word of God. Today I want to preach from the topic, No Time for Back Pocket Christianity. We ain't got no time 
for back pocket Christianity. Let's pray. Father, right now, God, I just simply ask that you'd hide me behind your cross. That your word would fall afresh on your people, that they would hear you and not me. That you'd be lifted up. Have your way, God. Get glory in this place. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we all say. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, you ever had uh, a pair of pants? And, and this may be a question more for my, my men in here, but maybe for the ladies too. So follow me with this. Have you ever had a, a pair of jeans where you would always put your, in your back pocket your wallet? You know, you, you put a wallet in your back pocket and you've put it in your back pocket so much that the jeans have started to fade where that wallet sits in your back pocket and it started to shade around the wallet so you can see the shape of the wallet. And for some of us, there, there are holes now at the bottom of your pocket to where your wallet's been sitting for so long. Y'all, you ever had a pair of jeans that this happened to? Maybe you haven't. Have you, have you ever seen this before? Ladies, have you ever seen a man with his pockets like that? I mean, and y'all probably like, man, that brother trifling. He need to go ahead and buy him a pair of pants, Levi's, and Old Navy ain't that much. Go buy you some jeans, brother. <laughs> I mean, but have you ever seen that before? Uh, where the wallet is, is an imprint on the pants. And see, this person that has this pocket like this probably places their wallet in that pocket without a thought. Y'all follow me. I'm coming to your neighborhood. There's really no intentionality to it by this point. It's just become force of habit to stick that wallet in that back pocket. And many times they may not even remember that they put it in their pocket already. And what happens as they're about to leave the house, they start scurrying about throughout the house, flipping over couches and and looking through clothes and drawers, trying to find their wallet. And all the while, that wallet is sitting in their back pocket. I know I'm with somebody right now. This wallet sits in the pocket, only sees the light of day when you're ready to purchase something. You need to buy a cup of coffee or some some new clothes, obviously not a new pair of jeans because we can see where your wallet has been, but it only comes out when you want to purchase something. And, and maybe in this pandemic time, it's, it's only in your pocket because you have your license and you're driving around, so it really doesn't see the light of the day. It sits in that person's back pocket over and over again every day. Now, you may be watching and listening and asking, well, Pastor D, why why in the world are you talking about somebody's wallet in their back pocket? Well, hear me. I believe we're living in a day where our belief has been whittled down so much to the equivalent of what I would like to call back pocket Christianity. Y'all, if I was in a chocolate church, they would be hooting and hollering, saying, you preaching right now, Reverend. And I would have told them, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying. Y'all stick with me. I, I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. Hear me, family. We live, we're living in a society where someone's Christian belief has become something they just keep in their back pocket only to pull out. 
when they're confronted by someone or they're trying to show face and try to be the good Christian going to their group or their, their small group or Sunday service. Other than that, our Christian faith, it sits on the shelf of our life and it just sits there and it starts collecting dust. And for many of us in this pandemic period, that's where our Christian faith has been. It's been on the shelf in our our life and it's been collecting dust. We don't come to church that much anymore. We don't go to a group. We're not really involved. We're not reading our word. Our Christian faith is sitting on the shelf or in our back pocket. And friends, we're living in a day where This cannot be so, but the Christian needs to stand up and stand up for what they believe in. Stand up for what they believe in and call out injustice and also be known at the same time by their love. It's time for a change. And friends, I believe the only way we'll see this change is that whether that's individually or as a church or even as a nation, is when we take our Christian faith from our back pockets and make it central to everything we do in life. We have to fight for gospel centrality. That's my one point for today. We have to fight to keep Jesus in the center of our life. Friends, the gospel... What Jesus has done, it's the only solution to bringing renewal to our city. It's the only solution to bringing renewal to us individually. Our, Our city has much to offer. It has wonderful schools. We have industries. We have history here. We have Fortune 500 companies. We have a beach. We have skylines. We we have we have a job. We have jobs for people. But but our city is broken in many different ways. We got one of the highest populations of homelessness in the country. We have one of the highest crime and murder rates in the country. Fatherless homes divides across racial and socioeconomic lines, and the list could go on and on and on. Friends, we have very good, but then we have very bad in our city. And the two, they do not mix. So what does that make our city? Broken. Broken. We don't have time for back pocket Christianity. No, 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 no. Hear me. The gospel has to be central in all we do. God loved. God gave his son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins, sins that he hadn't committed. We believe and then we live forever. God loved. God gave. We believe we live forever. That's the gospel message. That's the truth that we believe in. But it can't just be a truth that we believe in. It also, family, if we believe in it, has direct implications on how we live today. God saw us in our sin, destined for hell because God cannot stand the stench of sin. And out of love, he sends Jesus to die our death on the cross because Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. So that means that somebody had to die. But I'm thankful that the verse and the story does not stop there because if you keep on reading down through Romans 6.23, it says the goodness of God, because here's the gift. It says, The gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, and it's in that goodness. 
It's in that goodness that draws us to the realization of our sin and the uncanny ability to not have the strength that we thought we had. The uncanny ability to see, well, 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 I I don't have what it takes and I, I don't bring what I thought I brought to the table. And it's in that understanding that we understand we need a savior. Which now hear me. In exchange for Jesus' death and Jesus' righteousness and our belief, we now have eternal life. We'll be with God forever and ever. That's what John 3.16 is really trying to tell us. Be free from the world and all the problems in this world. But see, here's the issue. We still live in the now. Oh, yes. We still live in the now. Eternity is in the not yet. Which brings us back to what I just said which is that the truth of the gospel, hear me, if it is central, it has direct implications on how we live today. That can be bad or that can be good. It's all where we keep Jesus. Friends, if you haven't noticed it, y'all, you can see I'm very passionate about this gospel centrality thing. And if you ain't noticed it, I I told you I'm coming to your neighborhood soon. If I'm not already in your your kitchen, we're going to be cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner soon. I I promise I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. So y'all stick with me. The centrality of the gospel is in complete contradiction to what society tells us. Society tells us that we are at the center. You are at the center. It's what we want. But follow me, when God calls you to himself through his goodness and he allows the shades of darkness, he drops those shades off your eyes and you see that true fulfillment and, and true satisfaction only comes from God. Hear me, now you as a Christian are no longer on this earth to just live for yourself. Okay, pastor, what does that mean? This means that now as a believer, the implied initiative for the Christian life is to live as a missionary to others. Now you lost me. Well, what does that mean? This means that your life no longer solely belongs to you, but you belong to God and you are here to bring glory to God, not yourself, but to God. But I know someone's like, all right, Pastor D, I, I, I hear you, but I, I don't know if I really believe that. Well, you don't have to believe me. Let, let's go to scripture Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, this is where Jesus has already risen from the grave. He stayed with his disciples. He's shown them the holes in each one of his hands and in his feet. He's shown them that he is God who has risen from the dead. He's conquered sin and death once and for all, left it in the grave, and, and they're poking their head. Thomas, my man, is poking his fingers and hands through the holes of Jesus' hands. Now they come to believe in Jesus as their risen Savior and Lord God in the flesh. And before Jesus leaves and ascends to heaven, he says these words to them as a last command. Look at it with me. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, as I'm reading this, he doesn't say, now go live a comfortable life. 
No, no, no. He doesn't say, now, go get your blessings. There, there is prosperity in your future. No, no, I don't see that either. He doesn't say, now, go home and don't worry. The world is going to get better. No, no, no. He, he says, go, therefore, and make disciples teaching them what you have observed. And I have commanded you. And then he says, almost as a warning to them, he says, behold, because I know it's going to get hard out here. It ain't going to get better. Behold, I'm with you. This is, this is comforting. I'm with you always until the end of the age. See, what Jesus is saying is that once you know me, once you have believed in me and placed your faith in me, this good news of who I am should be shared with the world. Hence, in our verse today, for God so loved the world, he says, this isn't just for you. You need to share this with the world. Friends, that's the good news. This good news, Jesus leaves us with him, 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 him dying for us and him, him going to heaven. He says, look, look, this is a death that you deserve. I, I, I died for you. I need you to go share this with everyone else. This isn't just good news for you. Share this with the world. Live it out in front of a watching world that needs hope. See, the gospel is to be central in all we do. And consequently, you know what happens when it is? Law offices and businesses begin to change. The divorce rate begins to go down. You begin to steward your money and and give more. You, You become less concerned about yourself and more concerned about others. And we start to see the racial divisions crumble. We start to see the walls of injustice start to fall down. We start to see school systems become better. Communities change. And ultimately the world, because Christians watch this, have moved from putting their faith in their back pockets and brought it to the center of their life. Now, I know someone saying, well, Pastor D, I hear you. I, I hear your passion. And, I, and I, I believe in Jesus. But, but my walk, it, it seemed to stall a bit. I, I just don't feel Christ moving as much as he used to. I, 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 just, I just don't know how to keep him central. Or, 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 or maybe yet you've never made him the center of your life. Well, let me just share a some truth with you. Hear me, friends, that the reason we may feel this way or the reason we feel hopeless or far from God at different points in our lives is because we, we, we've been really sold a lie that we've started to believe in. We, we've been sold a lie. Remember I talked about narratives in the beginning and, and what we begin to believe? Well, hear me. The pervasive narrative of, of America that, that we begin to believe in, and, and sometimes it's a subtle whisper that comes at you, and sometimes it's some yelling that comes at you, but the words that come out, the lie is, you don't really need God. You, you can make it on your own. You, you got an intellect, you got a heart, you, you, you got strength, you, you can do this on your own. And friends, the truth of the matter, Renew, I need you to hear me on this, is that we were not made to make it through this world or on this earth with all this mess around us, pandemics, racism, all of this. We were not made to make it on our own. We were not made to make make it through this without God. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, look at it. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created by God to honor him. So hear me, friends, even if we do good, it's only because he originally made us good because God is good. We were made to be his workmanship. God is not only perfect, holy, and all powerful, but he's good. And he he chooses us and he created us in his image before we even came out the womb. So some of y'all are missing what I'm trying to make clear here. We were not made to be without God. All right, let let me make it plain. Let me see if I can make this a little bit more plain with you all. I got five kids. Y'all know that. Some of you know that. Some of you didn't. I have five kids. Y'all keep praying for my wife and I. We love our kids. We got five. And in a pandemic, when they're running around the house, it's crazy sometimes. But I love my kids. And and lately, one of the things we've been doing, we've been watching a lot of uh, Disney films. We got a lot of Disney films that we watch and and now they got this Disney app. Y'all, y'all know Disney Channel, Disney app. It's not the channel. You, my kids know how to go on all the devices and get to the Disney app. Lord, Lord help us. You know, <laughs> they get to the Disney app. And, and I'm reminded of all the shows that I, I watched growing up. And, and one of the shows or, or movies that I remember as a kid was Pinocchio. Y'all remember Pinocchio? Oh, Pinocchio. Pinocchio had a father, or better yet, he had a maker by the name of Geppetto, who was a woods craftsman. And in this Geppetto, all, he was alone, and he, he had this desire of, of having a son. So Geppetto makes a puppet named Pinocchio. Y'all know the story. He fashions him, and he crafts him just the way he wanted him to be. He, he loved Pinocchio, and he longed for him to be a real boy. So the story goes, one night Pinocchio comes alive. You know, Jiminy Cricket is all around, and, and, and be, he becomes a talking puppet, which gives Geppetto a real boy. And, and you know the story. I mean, Pinocchio longs for more. He has big dreams, and he's tempted, and he lies his way into more and more problems. Then he leaves Geppetto's house. His nose starts growing because he can't stop lying. And at one point, he turns into a donkey, He hits rock bottom, gets to this place where he longs to be back at his father's house. Where all the while, Geppetto is laying at home, sleepless nights, crying, searching through the city for his son. Pinocchio, Pinocchio, Pinocchio. Long story short, Pinocchio ends up just longing for home. And he makes his way back to Geppetto's house, the place where he started, the place where he belonged. And see, friends, I think some of you all are missing the point I'm trying to get at this morning. Pinocchio should have never left his father's house in the first place. He was crafted by Geppetto for Geppetto and to live with Geppetto. Y'all are missing this, friends. God never made us to be without him. He made us to be with him. 
He made us as his workmanship in Christ Jesus to be with him and glorify him. And although we continuously chase after the forbidden fruit or the or the lie of this world that tells you you can do it on your own. You can make it if you try harder. You can be the best you you want to be. Hear me. God never sleeps and slumbers. He longs for his children to come back. That's the gospel, friends. See, that, that, that's why God is in his sovereignty and goodness. Y'all would send his son to die for us. That's John 3, 16. Where, and then it says in the text that whosoever believes in his son that he sent that died for him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's good news. Y'all, God is sovereign. He's all powerful. He's good. And we commonly think we can make it on our own. And he chooses family to come in the form of a man. It's Jesus. While we're sitting over here acting like Pinocchio, he chooses to send Jesus to take all our wrongdoings, all our sins upon himself. Hear me, God wants to be in relationship with you and me. And hear me, we have to fight for this relationship because everything around us tells us we really don't need God, but instead we need more of something else. We need more money. We need more of this and more of that. We need a man or we we need a woman in our house. We need a new house. We need a new car. If we just had a little bit more of this or that, we would have all we need. But here's the good news of the gospel, friends. The gospel, when we believe in Jesus, it says if all we gain in this world, if all All we come to understand is the knowledge of saving grace and the fact that Jesus has died for you and me. He gave it up all for us. If that's all we learn, y'all, we got more than we need. Because John 3.16 tells me that I have eternal life just based off my belief. Where nothing in this world could compare to heaven with my father forever and ever. We have to fight. Keep the gospel at the center. Now, you're probably asking, why do I say fight? Fight, such a strong word, Pastor D. Why, why do you say fight? Well, what, well, take a look at this diagram with me. What happens, if you're paying attention to this diagram, what happens or what is supposed to happen is that when we come to Jesus at conversion, our knowledge of the gospel or what Jesus is and what he's done in our life is it's all we know. It's right at the forefront. It's in our eyes. We're, we're on fire, as we call it. We're super zealous for the Lord. And what is supposed to happen is that as our knowledge or of our sin becomes greater, at the same time, our knowledge of God's holiness grows. So as you notice in the diagram, the, that gap between us and God grows But in that, our understanding of the gospel and what Jesus has done is growing larger, too. Hence, the cross continually gets larger and bigger as that gap widens. You see, there's a gap between us and God, but the cross is bridging the gap. This is gospel centrality. Hear me. That's what gospel centrality looks like. See, coming to Jesus isn't just one time believing in him and then I'm done. 
No, it's constantly trusting him for the rest of my life. And as I begin to see my sin more and I begin to see my mess, I become more grateful for God's grace in sending his son to die in my place. But instead, what happens? Let's look at this other diagram. What happens is is that we, we come to Christ and we're on fire for God, but But as we learn of our sin and God's holiness and his standard, instead of depending on Jesus, keeping him central, you know what happens? We start performing. We start pretending we have it all together, working it out in our own strength, believing that lie. We can make it on our own instead of trusting Jesus for our strength and righteousness. And therefore, inevitably, we're shrinking the cross and Jesus's work on our behalf. Now your Christian faith, instead of it being central, you have made your faith just a part of your life, or should I say back pocket Christianity. This is when we start to say things like, why would Jesus want me? I'm so unworthy. I I keep messing up. Look at me. I'm nothing I'm so messed up. Life is hopeless. I tried this Jesus thing. I'm done with it. No, no, no. Friends, hear me. See, the reality is that our Christian walk and and our relationship with God, it, it, it takes work. It takes work. Christians need not only to fellowship and come to church or go to a group throughout the week, Christians need to be fasting. We're called to be fasting and and praying, reading our word on a a day-to-day basis. Relationships take work. Anybody who's ever been in a relationship knows this to be true. It takes work. Ask any married couple. Y'all all amen in the background, even if you're not writing in the chat. Y'all know that relationships take work. And hear me, in order for our Christian identity and faith to be central, we have to fight for it to be at the center. It takes intentionality. And the good news is that with any good relationship, what happens is that it directly affects the the people or the places that are connected to the relationship or around it. And, and, And that's the same truth with our relationship with God. Our relationship with God has a direct reflection on the people around us, the institutions around us, which is why it's so important to keep it at the center. See, This is why gospel centrality is so important. This is why we value it as a church. This is why you hear a gospel message every Sunday preached at Renewal Church. See, the world hasn't valued gospel centrality or what Jesus has done on our behalf. They haven't, we haven't valued that as a world, and you see where we are today. Race riots and, and, and pandemics that are going out of control, people storming the capital. You see where we are today. But I believe that if we turn to God and we repent, we turn away from our mess and we, we, we turn from our wicked ways and we constantly say, Jesus, I need you. Oh, I need you. We'll not only see change today temporarily, but we'll see change that's everlasting, that will last throughout the centuries to come. Y'all hear me? Let us as a church 
be this change. That's my prayer for us. Let's keep Jesus at the center. Now, friends, as we end the day, I, I know there are some of us that you're listening and you're saying, Pastor, that, that's me. To a T, that, that's me. I, I, Jesus has not been at the center of my life. I, I haven't even really trusted him as my Lord and Savior. I, I really don't know him. I'm, I'm new to this church thing, but I know I need God. I need him in my life. Hear me. All, all, all you have to say is that call out to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Giving up your life for me, Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, if we believe and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. If you just prayed that prayer, if you said that, we want to hear from you. Click the link in, in the chat or, or email us at info at renewalchicago.com. We want to just pray for you. We want to be with you right now. We just want to welcome you into the family, celebrate the decision you just made, that God's been working in your life to get you to this place. And then on the other hand, there are some of us that are hearing this message right now and we're the person that knew Jesus or knows Jesus, but we've shrunk the cross in our life. And something else in our life has become larger. Some person, some thing. Jesus is no longer the center of our life where we live and do everything from. It's no longer that understanding. You don't believe like you used to. You don't walk with Jesus like you used to. Hear me. God hasn't left you either. And he, like Geppetto, is waiting for you to come home. Come on home. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry for living this way. And that may be many of us in this pandemic space. We haven't been trusting Jesus. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, we ask for forgiveness. He's just and righteous to forgive us. God is. If we were at church right now, in person, if you were in one of those two places, I would ask you to come down to the front, and I would just want to pray over you. As a matter of fact, there are people online right now that are there to pray with you. As we start this new year, we start this new series, maybe you're in one of those places. Click the link to receive prayer. You can text us at 224-216-4062 so we can pray for you. Hear me. like Pinocchio and Geppetto, come home. Come home. Family, hear me. The good news of Jesus Christ and what he did on our behalf, making that central is not only essential to our existence as a church, but it's also essential to us individually. Let's fight for our Christian identity and keeping Jesus at the center. And in turn, I believe we'll see and do amazing things in us individually, in this church, and in this city, and ultimately the world. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for this morning. You are truly an awesome God. God, we do come to you asking that you fill our hearts with all that we need, that we would trust you beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we look to you, Jesus, keep our eyes on you. For the folks that prayed either one of those prayers, whether they have never come to you or they're coming back, God, I I just pray that you fill their heart with an overwhelming peace and presence, Holy Spirit, that you do amazing things in them, but reassure them of your goodness and of you being the awesome Father that you are. God, we look to you. Let us fight to keep you central in our hearts and in all we do. And God, as your word says, let us trust that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So let us walk confidently and boldly in our Christian identity. So in the mighty name of Jesus, we all say together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.